We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Indiana Pacers select Solomon Hill. Miles Turner. Goga Bitadze. Paul George of Fresno State University. From Tbilisi, Georgia. From the University of Texas. From the University of Arizona. You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Golden and Michael Fachi. What is going on, Pace Formation? Welcome back to another episode of the Prospect Chronicles. And joining me as he does every single week, it is the long-lost brother of former NBA Pacers draft pick, TJ Leaf. He doesn't wear a seatbelt when he drives, and he loves to wear tight leather pants. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for the one and only Michael Jerome Fachi. Fachi, wow. what's up, brother? I, I cannot claim anything that was just said. No relation to TJ Leaf. Never owned any leather. And buckle up, everybody. And let's stay safe because it's going to be quite the ride until the NBA draft. Absolutely. So on today's show, we've got our man Rich back from Mavs Draft to talk about Josh Giddy. This is the guy from Australia that Pacer Nation has been incredibly intrigued by. I am not super high on him, to be honest with you guys, but we got to get a little bit of a breakdown here from Rich on what he thinks about Josh Giddy. Fachi, what are your thoughts on Josh Giddy overall as prospect? I'm getting excited because it, it feels like, you know, there's a lot of potential there. You know, a bit is unknown, but I have been one to, to like a good old-fashioned mystery box, and I am tired of missing out on the next international star. Is it Giddy? I don't know. But you know what? I'm willing to roll the dice and find out. Yeah, so there you go. The mystery box of the future international star. Like, I think a lot of us thought it could be Goga, right? We I don't, hoped. I don't, we hoped. I don't know. Maybe we struck out. Maybe the Pacers are a little bit nervous there. I don't know. They, they have high expectations for Goga. We'll see what happens with him. But let's get right to it, Fachi. We have a good conversation here with Rich to talk about the one and only Josh Giddy. So buckle up, Pacer fans. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Setting the Pace. We are joined by Rich Stamen of at Mavs Draft. Rich, what's going on? Not too much. I'm very excited uh, for this episode. Awesome, awesome. And of course, we always have, uh, you know, Alex Golden running the show. Alex, how you doing? Of course, I'm always here, Flash, is what I'm here to do. And today we're going to be talking about a popular name in Pacers Draft Twitter, the one and only Josh Giddy. So, Fachi, do you have a question to start off here for Rich with the, the uh, highly anticipated Josh Giddy? Yeah, so, I mean... Pacer Nation, they have gotten very excited about Josh Giddy, and I've jumped on board. I really have. I hate to sound like a broken record, but, you know, I've sound like an old man just barking at Alex recently saying that Malcolm Brogdon's not a true point guard. But does Josh Giddy give you that feel of a true point guard? Because, Rich, his vision, his passing ability, it truly feels like something that you can't teach. Yeah, I've my hot take for Josh Giddy in a in terms of his playmaking is he's probably the closest passer to Luka Doncic that there is in the world uh, right now. That's not in the NBA, and I I think you know someone who can find shooters in the corner in the way that he can and whatnot. That it's very difficult to teach something like that. We've seen elite passers come through the draft in Bonzo ball in 2017, he was special as a transition passer, but not as much in the half court. Whereas I think with Giddy, there's no passing flaws in his game at all. There's really no area where you can limit his passing. So he's listed to kind of be like a point guard. He's six foot seven, you know, 190 pounds. I'm just, I'm just curious. The Pacers have really struggled with rebounding. How good of a rebounder is he, and would he be a be an upgrade over what they've done this the past couple of years with the guards that don't really hit the glass? Yeah, so I think rebounding translates pretty much from any level. I think that's probably the safest thing to translate. And he averaged seven a game, and he also had multiple games where he had 10, 11 rebounds. And there was actually a stretch to the latest last month, I guess, where he's had four games of 10 plus rebounds and a few of those came really close. He had nine and seven and uh, two of his latest ones. So there's a lot to like in terms of just his ability to, you know, grab and push. You know, his jump shot is something that, uh, you know, there's, there's some critiques about, I mean, he was a sub 30% shooter, but like I mentioned, his passing ability, it, it just feels off the charts, but do you think that he can develop 
into more of being a scorer as well as a great passer? So uh, that's probably the area where I'm lowest on Giddy is his scoring ability. I really don't like his jump shooting that much. You know, with Moses Moody, we kind of talked about how he had the, the feet flailing out. The same kind of thing applies to Giddy, but it's much more fatal, I think, because he can't shoot in any way without those feet like spreading. He looks like he's about to do the splits a lot of times. And to me, the shooting base is more important than the release. But I, I do think that the shooting is going to hold him back in some areas if he doesn't improve that. Well, I want to know a little bit because I haven't obviously seen a lot of his game because he plays in the NBL, you know, down in Australia. I want to know a little bit more uh, about how international players have become so, you know, gifted and how they've evolved and really kind of changed the NBA because you look left and right, there's an international player that's becoming a star on almost every team. It feels like not every team, but you know what I mean? There's a lot of really good international players out there in the league today. Do you think Josh Giddy can reach that star level potential or is he more of a guy that kind of just is a good player, but you don't really think he can ever be great? So I'm going to answer that question with a question. Where do you think Tyrese Halliburton is going to be? Do you see star upside in him? I liked what I saw this year. I, I think <laughs> yeah. He's really good. He's really good. I mean, it's, it's hard for me to project because it's not what I'm great at doing. I, I think that if I was a team, any NBA team, I'd want him on my roster. And I feel like I've given good rotation minutes, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. That's, I see, I see Giddy the same way I see Halberton, which is like, he is going to stick. He's going to be a good player to play in multiple guard lineups and whatnot. But is he ever going to reach that stardom? And I'm not too sure on that. He is very young and has a lot of room for improvement and time to improve those areas. But I don't know if I see star upside in him. I see, I see a higher floor than a higher ceiling. All right, all right. I mean, hey, if, if the worst-case scenario is Tyrese Howard Burton, that type of uh, situation, then, hey, I think the Pacers would love that pick. But, you know, Alex mentioned 6'7". I've seen some reports at 6'8". Um, you know, for being a point guard, that's that's something that makes you salivate. However, did read just a 6'7 wingspan, which, you know, shorter than his height, and what's perceived as a lack of lateral quickness. Do you think that he's going to be a defensive liability or is this something that he can grow into a very capable defender as it relates to guarding, you know, ones, twos, and possibly even threes? Yeah. So to kind of add on to the height numbers that y'all have heard, I've actually even seen six, nine, but I also have seen, yep. And I think, I don't know if he's done growing. So the height is really attractive, but the negative wingspan is also something I've seen Personally, I'm not too high on his defense. I think he's very stiff. He has his mm-hmm. hips. I don't even notice the hips a lot. Like specifically, I can tell you more the hole when I'm watching defense, whether it's like good or bad and mostly the feet, but he has bad feet and bad hips. So while he is intelligent enough to be able to rotate over and read defensive plays or read offensive plays well from the defensive end, it doesn't necessarily negate his weak on ball abilities. That's interesting because I didn't have Gideon in my top five when I did my when I put it out on Twitter for Pacer Nation. My my top five players I'd like the Pacers to pick or would have in my range if they felt if they fell down to a thirteen where the Pacers are projected to pick, barring some miracle in the draft lottery. But a lot of fans came out because Giddy wasn't in there, and I just you know sometimes you just have a gut feeling. I've seen a little bit of highlights, but not enough to feel like I really know what he can do perfectly. So. I just have this gut feeling that he's going to be maybe a rotational player in the NBA, but not somebody that I can bank on. And I feel like at 13, if you're Indiana, 
you have to take a swing on a guy that has a little bit more upside than a guy like Josh Giddy. Would you agree with that? Yeah. And my, I guess my big question is what is his role on the team? Like, do you think he can coexist with a point forward like Sabonis? I mean, I haven't watched enough of his game to know that. Or Sorry, so. like his, that mold, that mold of a non-shooting, non-defensive pass first guard. Flash, you want to answer that one? I mean, it would be interesting. I think if you throw Giddy in the mix, I mean, you also have, as of now, Brogdon and Karis LeVert that can handle the ball. You have Sabonis where a lot of the offense is going through him. So that kind of brings up where my next question was basically is if he doesn't have the ball in his hands, what else is he contributing to? Because right now he's not a great shooter. So it, it kind of has me, you know, thinking like that could be a bit tough for a while unless you're going to move some of those players. Yeah. So my, my lone, I guess, silver lining in all this would be one, he isn't a bad spot up shooter. All of that, like, you know, I know I've said some negative stuff about his shot, but he has a really high starting point and never even dips below like his lower chest. The ball never dips below, like goes low or anything, which I really like. It's quick, compact. The upper release is fine. So maybe spot up shooting could work. But the other thing is, and I'm looking at the synergy profile, there's it's minimal possessions. Like, so the sample size is very small, but on 11 cuts, he is in the 99th percentile in international game of cuts in terms of points per possession. Again, small sample size but he is very good at cutting off ball and, you know, getting to the rim. So that's a, those are some saving graces for him. Now you mentioned that he might have a career similar to Tyrese Halliburton, but as far as who he is as a player, is there a pro comp that you can give for us? Yeah. In terms of, um, I, I actually do think that they have incredibly similar just pros and cons. You know, we don't, we didn't trust the pull-up shooting last year in general that we were skeptical of the shooting, except, Tyrese Halliburton have the statistics on his side, whereas Giddy really doesn't. It's so hard to think of someone that's, you know, with that height, you generally get, if they don't have the jump shot, they kind of have the defense, but he doesn't have either. So it's a very difficult comparison to make when you're looking at the physical profile and the skills. That's why I chose Tyrese Halliburton, just because they're so similar, obviously mo mostly on the offensive end, because Halliburton's a good defender. So that, that's a very hard one, and I'm so sorry to take a cop-out, but I, I don't have a strong comparison <laughs> overall for him. He's so unique. I, we haven't really seen much like him. Maybe maybe Lonzo Ball, if you want to get, like, without the defense. That's the closest one I can think of. Hmm. I mean, that would be interesting. I was actually listening to a, a podcast that uh, Josh Giddy was on, and he compared himself to Ben Simmons, and I don't know if that's uh, obviously defensively completely different players. <laughs> think he was getting off uh, getting at the you know Ben Simmons is Australian you know they're they're taller you know guys he also used the Luca and Joe Ingles and I kind of just felt like he was going a route of kind of picking some Australian players you know right over there so you know it, it seemed like a little bit of a cop out there because there's a massive difference between Luca and Joe Ingles so it seemed like we're all over the place here but one thing that I hate to be a nitpicker because I, I mentioned how much I love Josh Giddey's passing ability, he averaged seven and a half assists. But, Rich, he did average 3.3 turnovers. So, essentially, it's closer to a two-to-one assist ratio, which, you know, you're not that thrilled about. Do you think, you know, part of that is making the riskier pass that others either don't see or can't make? Yeah, so that's a couple layers in it. I Obviously, you know, I, I watched the Mavs night in and night out, so I've seen Luka Doncic commit five turnovers a game, it feels mm -hmm. like. 
because he does try and, like you said, make those riskier passes others won't or can't make. And sometimes it, you know, backfires. And that is sometimes what happens with Giddy, which is, a, I'd say it's a better turnover almost than the bad read in general, just like a simple play bad read. But a lot of times it's been, sometimes he loses his handle. And the other thing I've seen is just, yeah, I mean, it's the risk. It's the risk is pretty much what it comes down to, the level of risk he's willing to take. And sometimes it pans out and sometimes it doesn't. I think it's almost a growing pain more for him, though, than a, you know, red flag. So, like I said, I'm someone that hasn't watched a lot of his game, and I know there's a lot of fans that have not watched a lot of the NBL and, and Josh Giddy. So, if you're trying to introduce a, a fan – a Pacers fan, let alone a Pacers fan, to Josh Giddy's game, what are three things that you would say these are the things that he does well? Yeah, you got the uniqueness on his size and ability to run an offense. That combination is pretty difficult to teach, and he also has incredible feel for the game. He's really strong in the pick and roll, and I think he really knows how to make up for his weaknesses. I, I think he's one of those guys where you give him the benefit of the doubt because he's such – a hard worker, plus mm -hmm. he also has incredible basketball IQ. And those kind of things, they overcome the odds more often than players who have just tools and not the work ethic or just tools and not the basketball IQ. I love it. I mean, Josh Giddy's someone who's been over in the NBA Academy for a while now uh, over in Australia. And uh, the NBA Academy, they've sent now 47 prospects to Division One programs. Uh, a bunch of those prospects have signed professional contracts but Josh would be the very first drafted to the NBA right there. Um, we're also talking about RJ Hampton, LaMelo Ball, recently played in the NBL. I think we've seen, you know, very good stuff out of those two players, especially, you know, LaMelo. We saw RJ Hampton have some success once he went over to Orlando. Do you think this is going to be a huge boost for the NBL and their ability to attract players out of high school? Yeah, I think so. I mean, they've already got the rising stars. <clears throat> program that's seen success and they even had an international prospect I believe recently commit to them to go and play and that was the first non-American I think to go to the rising stars so the NBL as a whole I know there's like two kind of separate things but the NBL as a whole is really growing in terms of name recognition for upside in the NBA all right so I gotta know because you've been making your your big board for this year's NBA draft where do you have them slotted at yeah, I currently have Giddy at number 20. He's, okay. again, one of the hardest reads for me, and I know I'm very low on him compared to the rest of draft Twitter. But there's a lot safer prospects I just don't want to miss on, and I think that's why I currently have him lower. I respect it because, you know, just like you mentioned with him, it, it, it's all over the place. And, you know, for a while, years ago, I used to be lower on, on the players that weren't playing in the United States. And just like Alex mentioned before, the, the game's changed. I mean, most teams have a dominant, you know, European player, whatever you want to label it. And it has me at the, oh, my God, I don't know if I can miss out this time around on Josh Giddy. However, you know, when we're looking at maybe a down the line, you mentioned you might be a little bit lower on him. Five to ten years from now, where do you see his NBA potential? Is it as an NBA starter? Is it an all-star? Or is it potentially, you know, an, an all-NBA player? Or do you just see him as kind of, you know, a rotational player? Yeah, I think when, say, his jump shooting does come around, because I think the percentages are close enough where you can gamble and say, hey, there's a scenario where this shooting, he kind of negates the odds. And like I said, you know, the base is an issue, but the upper release is actually pretty clean. It's 
nothing really wrong on that. So say the shooting does come along and he can learn to spot up shoot, maybe some pull up shooting right now. That's a big weakness for him, but say those do improve. I think you're looking at a six, nine, six, eight guard who, you know, can average 13, eight and seven or something like that. And I think to me, that's a borderline all-star a lot of years, right? That's a safe starter. That's a very safe rotational player. I think he's probably got a spot as a rotation player for years to come, no matter what. But it all comes down to that shooting of where that ceiling ends. If the shooting can get respectable, I think. I don't think he needs to even shoot it at a high percentage. He just needs to make it so that he can get hot at any time. Kind of like Lamelo Ball, where people didn't expect him to shoot that much, especially at that volume. And they had to close out on him. And that changes the entire approach he has to the game. And it maximizes his other strengths. Okay, so I'm reading an article here today, NBADraftJunkies.com. I know this is one of your co-hosts on Locked on NBA Draft, it, uh, Raphael Barlow. And in this article that he wrote about, our, our guy here, Giddy, he, he talks about trying to add some of our Vita Sabonis skills to his repertoire. Um, but the Pacers having DeMontis Sabonis, you know, another international guy, do, do you think that that could be enticing at all? I mean, I think it could. I, I wouldn't I, – I personally am in the belief that a lot of these international guys do kind of feed off of each other almost in terms of skill set. Like, they've gone through entirely different circumstances than a lot of the AAU, NCAA players, you know. So I, I think they could be a good fit together. And they're, and also, like, Goga is there as well. And I believe there's one other international player on the team that I'm just flat out forgetting. But uh, So correct me if I'm wrong, but – I do think that there is some room for fit both off the court and on the court with those two. So what would you say is going to be his biggest adjustment, you know, from the NBL to the NBA to start? Yeah. So there's two areas. One is obviously the shooting that's given. The other is I think finishing in transition. He has the same problem Luka Doncic has, which is he loves to play slow. And for Luka, it works. Like obviously he's an all NBA player, but I think he needs to learn to play quicker and, you know, the athleticism may be a learning curve for him. Yeah, so I'm I'm just not really sure what else to ask you. So this is going to be my last question because <laughs> um, it's just so hard to break down these guys, especially when we haven't even had like an NBA, um, you know, what what are the draft, draft combine? I couldn't think of it for the life of me there for a second. But overall, where, where do you anticipate um, him falling in the draft? So he's going to be one of those guys where I think his draft ranking for me is a lot lower than the draft slot. I'd be pretty surprised if he falls beyond 15 to 17 in that range. So that almost puts him right in that Indiana territory. But I think with the hunt of, you know, the next Luka Doncic, it happens every wave of young players that come along way too early. And even seeing Lamelo Ball as a very similar player, we didn't think he could shoot and whatnot. You know, I think, hunting for the next version of these young stars gets them drafted very high. So I think he might go as high as 10, even maybe even nine. So his range is pretty wide. I think he could be mid lottery or just outside of the lottery. I like it. I know initially you had mentioned you had him on your board at around 20. I think on based on the most of them that I was seeing, I mean, I, I'm seeing him a, a lot in that, that 12 range. I've seen 13. So I do think he's in that 10 to 15 range, but, you know, uh, he could easily shoot up some boards uh, in the time being. Um, however, I would say my last question would be to start this season, 
where do you see him? Do you see him on kind of learning in the G League? Do you see him kind of rotation only getting a, a handful of minutes? Or do you see him as a rotational player to start? Yeah, I think he's probably a fringe rotation player to start. I think you're going to see him as a backup coming in in multiple guard lineups and where you have him surrounded entirely by shooters, which is kind of rare. Not every team has the luxury of being able to have two or three shooters on the, or I guess three shooters at, at a time. So it's a little bit difficult for me to figure out what his role would be, but I don't see him as an everyday rotation player, but like, you know, he might play 60 to 70 games and a good portion of those be meaningful minutes. All right, Rich, I definitely appreciate all, all the coverage over here. You know, I am giddy for giddy uh, right now. So, <laughs> you know, we will love to learn more, um, you know, about him as uh, the combine and all that stuff uh, goes on. But uh, tell everybody where they can find me on social media. Yeah, at Mavs Draft is where I do all, you know, you'll see the videos, you'll see the scouting reports and everything like that show up on Twitter. Awesome. And everybody, you know, you can find us on Twitter at setting the pace three. You could find Alex on Twitter at Alex golden NBA. I, follow can be me. Found... Hmm? I said, follow me. Oh, of course. Of course. <laughs> uh, you could follow me at underscore F A C C I. And uh, we could also be found on Instagram at Pacers talk. Thank you very much, everybody. We are out of time and tune in next week.